0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And so on and so forth, so who knows what the Lord, amen, would do through these. Uh, Revelation chapter number 6. I'll start right reading with verse number one here tonight, and I'll try to be mindful. I understand kids are back in the, or whoever you may be in the school category, back in the full swing of things. And the Bible says, And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. There went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Amen. My subject matter tonight is seven seals. There's nothing hidden there. Amen. And. Uh, this is part 5A, so that means it's going to take me more than, probably than one week to get through this chapter, if you've learned anything as of yet. Amen. But I don't want to, again, I'm trying not to choke you whenever we go through a chapter. You know, I don't want to feed you with a fire hose and you try to get a drink. I know there's some some weeks I went by and felt like I had a fire hose, but nevertheless, I'm trying not to do that. Let's go right now and ask God to touch us. Father, I need you, Lord, this evening. God, I know, Lord, this is midweek, God, for everyone. Lord, I pray, God, you give them strength, Lord, in their bodies. Lord, alertness, God, to their minds and hearts. God tiredness God that some Lord are experiencing I pray oh Lord today that you're able to help them God grant us understanding here for the next few moments Lord Jesus And oh God that you're able to bless us God for blessed is he that Lord reads Lord Jesus God this book and Lord learns of this book Lord and we Lord expect that Lord to be materialized in our own lives in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray Amen and Amen Everybody say Amen you may be seated here uh, this evening. Before I actually get into the breaking loose of these seals tonight, and I will by no means get through them all, need to deal, need to deal with a little bit of a, a, a platform uh, to springboard from tonight. Hopefully, it will help our understanding, and so the reason why it's going to take a little while here in Revelation 6 is because there's a few little maintenance things we got to go uh, do along the way in order to help our understanding uh, chapter number 6 as you can already see actually deals with the breaking of the seals we looked at last week all of chapter 5 uh, the one that was in the midst of the throne had a book with seven seals no one was found worthy in heaven underneath the earth or on the earth to open it until there was that spectrum and error of time of the lamb as though it had been slain who came forth and the scripture and the four and 24 elders and the four beasts around the throne declared that he was the one that was worthy. And so chapter 6 is then the commencement of the actual breaking of the seals. And each time the Lamb opened a seal, John saw something. Uh, It seems that whatever was written on the scroll within and without, whatever was written on the scroll uh, was no doubt revealed uh, with the breaking the seal as it was and we spoke this last week, they would write a little bit, they would seal it, they would write a little bit more and seal it and thus and so until there were seven seals upon the scroll. And so whenever you would break a seal, it would reveal part and parcel of uh, what was upon the scroll, but it would take the breaking of another seal to reveal the rest. And so it seems whatever was written on the scroll uh, was revealed then by the breaking of a seal. And uh, whether John read that, we don't know. It doesn't say that he read it. Or as the language seems to imply as it goes through these seals, maybe that whatever was written on the seal was dramatized before John because he saw it, the Bible says. Now, here we are. We did this a little bit in the book of Daniel, and we're here with the book of Revelation. Again, we got to set a little bit of a platform uh, and, and, and I'm not necessarily greatly persuaded one or the other, although I might have a little bit of a tendency. But there are, are a couple schools, if you will, of thought, or schools of chronology whenever you look at Revelation 6 and the seven seals. As a matter of fact, we'll look here in the Scripture, you know, Revelation. They're uh, just inundated with all these sevens, you know. There's sevens everywhere. But there are, there are certain things that take place in the book of Revelation. There's the seven seals. There's the seven trumpets. There's seven and they're spoken of in scripture although that's basically all they're spoken they're just mentioned thunders. There's seven vials and I'll put this in parentheses because they are basically just mentioned uh, whenever it came to the seven thunders the Lord told uh, John he says seal those things up Uh, we're not going to talk about them we're not going to divulge any information concerning the seven thunders if your grand question tonight is why here's my grand answer I don't know (laughs) if he didn't want Daniel know, he didn't want anybody else to know so I don't know what these things contain Uh, by no means I have an opinion like everybody does but uh, nevertheless but we have these seven seals seven trumpets and seven uh, vials that we look at through scripture whenever you look at them through the word of the Lord you got to follow them Because it seems like, man, they're just popping off those seals left and right and then you come through the sixth one, it seems like there's a gap before it ever gets to the seventh one. And the same thing with the trumpets. Man, it's popping off those trumpets left and right and then there's something else, some other type of information that's thrown in there before you ever get uh, to the seventh one. So you kind of got to follow them through uh, the book of Revelation. But whenever we talk about uh, the chronology or the chronological order of these things or if there is any order to them there is one school of thought that says that these things successively follow one another in other words in the dramatization of time for the future the end of the world the seven seals will come unleash and then after them will follow the seven trumpets then after them will follow uh, the seven vials and all that's contained in each and every one of them Uh, that they will follow successively Uh, for instance if you read in the book of Revelation chapter number 8 verses 1 through 2 and I don't have it up there for you this evening but the Bible speaks of whenever the seventh seal is open how there will be silence in heaven for about the space of a half hour and then the Bible says in verse 2 in conjunction with this seventh seal that John saw seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven angels Trumpets to them were given seven trumpets, and then by the time you get to Revelation 8 and 6, these angels with seven trumpets are preparing to sound the seven trumpets. And then by you get time you get to the next verse, verse number seven, uh, the first trumpet then is actually sounded. So it almost seems to a certain degree that within the seventh seal is birthed the seven trumpets, as it were. And then if you look later in chapters of Revelation, chapters 9 and chapter 10, it seems that contained within the sixth trumpet uh, was the seven thunders that we don't know nothing about, but they're sealed up. But it seems as though within that seventh trumpet, again, kind of sealed up in that a part of the seventh trumpet are these seven thunders that come. About So it it seems to a certain degree one school of thought says then these things chronologically are just in succession. After the seven seals will come the events and the happenings of the seven trumpets and then uh, the seven vials, thunders we don't know anything about so we can't comment necessarily upon those. But then there is another school uh, of thought uh, that takes place, uh, chronology if you will that all of these things are telling the same story. They're telling the exact same story, maybe with different perspectives, maybe some with a little bit more detail than others, that they're telling all the same story and they all have the same ending, which is the battle of Armageddon, uh, the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I'll just put battle here who wants to spell out Armageddon battle and the second coming of Jesus Christ so it's like these things and seals you see man there's a lot talked about them and then the trumpets and then vials but they all have different stories that there's different details that are told and that they all end then at the battle of Armageddon it's kind of similar to how uh, you would uh, view the, the, the gospels in the New Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John because within those gospels you find a lot of the same stories that are told in them a lot of the same accounts, but they're they're stories told from different perspectives, different individuals, uh, but they're the same story. Some of them have details that the others don't have, all right? And so there's another school of thought then that says that these are not in succession, but they in fact tell the same story and they come to the same ending and we'll talk about the, the idea of that same ending here just a little bit later it's kind of like also we talked about the gospels it's also a little bit like you read Genesis chapter number 1 the days of creation from the first all the way to the seventh whenever he rested and on the sixth day he created man you read that in Genesis 1 and then you come to Genesis 2 and what are you reading about? you're reading about the creation of man well that was kind of Capsulize in Genesis chapter number one, going through all the creation days, because on the sixth day he created man. But in chapter two, he goes into a little bit more detail gives a little bit more detail concerning the creation of man so you could see that maybe a little bit more as as here is the seals but trumpets and bowels might be filling in a little bit more of the details that the seals did not fill into one thing though must be understood uh, concerning the book of Revelation whether you're talking about these going in succession or whether you're talking about they are the same story that's just told uh, some with details that the other doesn't have and that is this, that dispersed, as I said, among these seals and trumpets and vials, dispersed among them are what we might call some, you call interruptions, interludes. Uh, some people call them parenthetical chapters that happen in here because you have the sixth seal you're reading all along here in Revelation 6 and you're reading about the sixth seal and boom, chapter number seven comes And it's talking about the 144,000 that were sealed and the multitude that was washed with the blood of the lamb. And then chapter 8 opens up and it's talking about the seventh seal. And so you have chapter 7 kind of knit and tucked in there. And I got some of these, I got 15 of these, 16 if I hold on to one, if anybody wants a copy. If you want a copy, take a copy. If you don't want a copy and just like to look off your neighbor, do so. Because some people really, I know, care less. But just... uh, if you want a copy, take a copy. you don't want a copy, don't take one alright, because and what, what, what will help us just a little bit as we're following the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, and I got this in there and I'm going to start talking about it before you have it, okay but whenever you look at chapter number 7 again that comes between the 6th and the 7th seal it's this, there's, there is the information of the sealing of the 144,000 uh, 144, and the blood washed multitude that's happening right there whenever we have these chapters or these portions of scripture that come in between the seals or the trumpets or the vials. If you want to call them parenthetical, whatever you want to call them, a lot of times they are giving further detail about something that is spoken or they're trying to explain something that that is particular. I call them divine interludes. God is just trying to elaborate on something to give us a little bit more understanding. And so we have that. In chapter number 10 of Revelation and these interludes this is not all of them that I have before you okay there's more than that but I'm just trying to cover the ones that go through the vial all the way from seals to the vials in chapter number 10 between the 6th and 7th trumpet we have another portion of scripture that begins to talk about the sealing up of the 7 thunders which that really lands right there but then in the latter portion of that chapter it speaks about a little book it speaks about the two witnesses that came back uh, from uh, came back uh, from the Lord and that the ones that then were eventually killed and they laid in the street for three days, all of that is with within that as well. And there's some information that is given to us between the sixth and seventh trumpet. In chapters 12 and 13 and this is not an interlude this is just more information that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, is not a part of the trumpets or the vials when I say not a part it's not a part of the direct information uh, of the vials and the trumpets chapters 12 through 13 and I just call this this because someone called it that I don't know if I nec- it just called them the seven personages because in chapters 12 and 13 you'll read about the sun-clothed woman the dragon, the man-child the archangel, the Jewish remnant the beast that's out of the sea and the beast then that comes out out of the earth. And then in chapter 14, Between them, the seven personages and the seven vials, finally to vials, there's chapter 14 and it contains, it speaks about the lamb that's on Mount Zion and the three angel messengers and the harvest and the vintage uh, that takes place. So you have all these things that can be between. And again, this this may or may not be a divine interlude of chapter 16, 13 through 16, but it almost seems as though it is. Uh, Between the sixth and seventh vial, the Bible says that there's three frogs that come up and they become they were three three spirits as it were unclean spirits and it seems to be also interludes so we have so you can see you can't just start with the seals and start going one two three four five six seven in the scripture and to go from there to trumpets one two three four now that's how we would like it to be but that's not how it is and so it's this type of stuff that causes a lot of confusion for the book of Revelation when studying it understanding these little divine interruptions that take place Where there's a little bit further information that explained and given. And the bottom chart we'll get to here just a little bit later. And so whenever we look at that, uh, you you can look and start to see in the seals, trumpets, and vials that there are some similarities. I'm going to talk about this end result right here. Talk about, and it is in that chart. Talk about the end result, if you will, the conclusions of the seals, the trumpets, and the vials. Is it possible for them to be one story with just bearing details throughout. Well, at this stage, folks, because I'm studying this as you all are studying this, all right, at this stage, I'm uncertain whether it is chronological succession or whether they all happen at once. At this stage in my study, I still got a lot of chapters ahead of me and you all do too. But whenever you look at the similarities of their conclusions, that chart is right there before you and I did the work for you. Everybody say thank you. You're so welcome. I just appreciate you being appreciative. Um, looking at the end of the seals, I have it listed there, the sixth and seventh seal, and you can find this in Revelation chapter 6 and chapter 8 because there's that little gap there, you know, so the seventh seal continues on in verse number 8. Whenever I begin to list some of the things that happened during those time frames, which is at the conclusion, there was a great earthquake, the Bible says, The sun became black as sackcloth. The moon became as blood. Stars fell to the earth. Heaven departed as a scroll. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The great day of his wrath has come. There was silence in heaven. Voices, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquake. That's toward the end of the seven seals. When I come to the end and I looked in the books, or chapter 10 and 11, at the end, the seventh trumpet... I read some of the things that took place. And this is interesting to me, this very first one that I read, because he said whenever the angel would sound the seventh trumpet that the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery of God should be finished. I could really, and I should have made that a different color. I should have made that the same color as number one in in, uh, the seventh bow, under the seventh bow column. He said it's finished. That's interesting. Because if vials... Are to happen in succession after the seventh trumpet, why would it be finished? Going on, the second thing, voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And it further says he shall reign forever and ever. Again, if that is at the ending of the seven trumpets and these things are in succession, the vials come next. Remember the rock that was taken without hands that hit the bottom of the statue back in Daniel that over conquered all the other kingdoms and all the other nations and that rock became a mountain and it was going to have dominion and power forever and ever? Well, it says at the seventh trumpet that the kingdom of this world become the kingdoms of the Lord and that he shall reign forever and ever. When we look at number three, the wrath that's come, number four, should it destroy them that destroy the earth? Number five, temple of God was opened. Number six, lightnings, voices, thunderings and an earthquake in great hell. Bow number seventh bow on here. I called it bow there. You, whatever sometimes people call them bows. Other times they call them vials. In scripture they're called vials. The seventh bow at the conclusion. There was a voice out of the temple saying, "It is done." Number two. There was voices, thunders, lightnings, and a great earthquake. Number three. The, it speaks of the fierceness of his wrath. Number four, the seventh bow speaks of every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And number five, it speaks of, and there's, these are just the tops of the trees of some of the things it mentions, that there was a great hail. Now you'll see, i try to make this color coordinated across here. You can see some of the comparisons of the similarities in the conclusion of the seals, the trumpets, and the bows. For instance, number six, under the seventh seal, every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Seventh bold comparison is, number four, every island fled away and the mountains were not found. That sounds very similar. And number seven, under the first column, the great day of his wrath. Under the second column, number three, the wrath is come. Under the last column, the fierceness of his wrath. In the first column, number nine, voices, thunderings, lightning, and earthquake, all bound up There in that sixth to seventh seal. In the second column, the seventh trumpet, look what we have. The last, number six, lightnings, voices, thunderings, an earthquake. Then under the bowls, there it is, the last one again, number two, though, on the last column, voices, thunders, lightnings. Now that is very, very similar. Now... If you, and I did this as well if you look then at the second column the trumpet, seventh trumpet very last one along with all the lightnings, voices, thunderings, earthquake. notice a great hell is a different color because the seventh bow in its conclusion speaks item number five in the last column a great hell all of that there's a lot of these then that have some overlapping similarities that again could very well point that these are telling the same story Maybe, maybe just with a few different details rather than following in succession. And there's some reasons why some believe that they could not happen in succession, why it may be doubtful again, and I stated to you in Revelation 10 and 7 where it spoke of the seventh trumpet that the mystery of God is finished already at the seventh trumpet. And it verifies it then with the seventh bow that the voice in the temple saying it is done. Amen. The world is the world is coming to an end and his kingdom is going to reign forever. He spoke of right here before this even came about if you're talking about succession. Then again, if you look at those two phrases both in Revelation 6:14 and Revelation 16:20, one describing the sixth and seventh seal and one describing the seventh bow, again every mountain and island were moved out of their place. And then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Now, it's almost as though the mountains and the islands disappear or they're destroyed by some way. Could that happen twice? Well, it takes a few years. I mean, God can do anything, I guess. It takes a few years to make a mountain from my understanding of science. But I guess if God wanted a big earthquake, he could shoot one up real quick. All right? All uh, right and something too and I'm, what I'm right now is trying to cause you to think I know that's hard on a Wednesday night but I'm trying to cause you to think because whenever I read in the first uh, in the 6th, seventh, 7th seventh seal chapter 6 and 8 every mountain island were moved out of their places then the terminology in chapter 16 is that they fled away or were not found so could it be possible that in the, the, the seals they were moved but in the bowls they were removed I'm just causing you to think, all right? Amen. And then in Revelation 6, Revelation 6, when we read verses 12 through 14, you're going to read some very great cosmic signs. You're talking about a great earthquake. You're talking about the, uh, uh, the, the, the sun being darkened, the moon uh, having the appearance of blood, stars falling from heaven, a lot, a lot of cosmic events and signs that are taking place, which... If we go back to the Olivet Discourse in the Gospels of Matthew 24, and it's found in the harmony of the Gospels, Jesus spoke to the disciples and said those happenings of the sun turning black and the moon turning to blood, all these things would immediately take place after the Tribulation. After the Tribulation, that would be at the end of that seven-year period of time, or if you will, even greater, at the end of that three-and-a-half period of time called the Great tribulation and if that is so all the way up at the seven seal period we're talking about the end of that final week that we studied in daniel chapter number nine after tribulation after all that over over concluding right here at the seventh seal level and if that's the case the trumpets must be telling the same story if they're coming afterward there's not going to be a bunch more things happen after that because then you're right at the time of the battle of Armageddon whenever that's said and done God's establishing his new kingdom upon the earth and there'll be a new heaven and there'll be a new earth is everybody doing alright you better be glad I'm not going through the whole chapter the Bible says in Matthew 24 verse 29 did you put that up for me yes it said immediately this is the all of it Discourse um, the disciples came to the lord they said basically how are we what are the signs how are we going to know the end of the world how are we going to know what are the signs of these comings how are we going to know he goes through this discourse of everything but this he says immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken is everybody all right Now, some of the theories and ideas that are out there, there are some that believe that these seals have already been fulfilled in our history, while others believe that they are yet to be fulfilled. Either way, they are definitely things as described in Revelation 4, number one, if you remember the sections, the things that have been, the things that are, and the things that are to take place hereafter, you remember whenever he opened up Revelation 4 to John, he said, these are the things that must happen hereafter of course that's a hereafter per John's day but here's the thing folks everybody listening if you believe that's my it's my belief from what I study and what I read and I've already brought this to you but if you believe the rapture of the church has already happened by this point then these things must not have taken place yet if you follow a strict chronological order of revelation because they're happening after the church is already gone We've already said the church is out of here. Prior to all of this, the church is out of here. And so if you believe the rapture of the church, and these things have not yet taken place yet. Not even one iota of them have taken place yet. According to Ralph Vincent Reynolds in his book, Daniel and Revelation, he says in Revelation 6 and 1, he says we find the phrase, as it were, the opening of chapter 6. He says this informs us that what follows will be of a figurative or symbolic nature because the Bible says, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four be saying, come and see. All right? And so although the first four seals, the first four seals re- release the four horses and the four horsemen. You've seen pictures of these. It's the four horsemen they call the apocalypse. Ooh. <laughs> doom and despair and and there's the red and the black and the white and the pale. You've seen them all coming out. they got great pictures of this stuff. Amen. But it's the four horses of the apocalypse. When the first four seals are broken, these four horses and their riders, their horsemen are released. Now what we know, you can find a black horse in nature. You can find a white horse in nature. You can find a reddish tinted horse in nature. Uh, If you were to look up pale you find a pale horse. I don't know if it's dying. I guess you can. Uh, but uh, you, p- pale actually in, in New Testament Greek comes from a word that we get our word chlorophyll, which would be green. Uh, so you can find a, I don't know if there's any green, maybe a sick horse, you know, feeling kind of green in nature. But greater than these things being found in nature, again, this is of a figurative or symbolic nature, as it were. These horsemen and horses represent. Something. They represent something. And whenever you look at horses throughout God's Word, God's Word is the best interpreter of His Word. When you look at God's Word throughout the Scriptures, horses are constantly associated with triumph. They're constantly associated with majesty and power, with force and with might. And so the Bible says that it was one of the beast, one of those four beasts. Remember? Uh, the lion, the, 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 the calf, and the man. And, and the eagle, one of the four beasts that invited uh, the horseman or some think he invited John nevertheless to come. And if you read it, then it says the second beast uh, hollered for the one that was on a red horse to come. And this doesn't mean anything, so if that was the case, the lion must call for the, li- the white horse, the one with the face similar to a calf called for the red horse, the one with the face of a man called for the black horse, and the one that was a flying eagle called for the, ba- the pale horse. But when the first seal was broken, the Bible says that John heard a noise as it were the noise of thunder. Now, we've heard already in the book of Revelation things that have sounded like thunder. We've heard this idea of thunder, some thundering sound or something that was thundering. If I were to use a law of interpretation called the law of first mention, which in essence tells me, and you've heard me say this before, go back to the first place that word was used in the Bible, and that gives you the meaning of the word in its purest definition. Where it was first used and so whenever i go back to where the word thunder was first used in the bible in exodus 9 and verse 23 that word thunder was used whenever judgment was being brought upon the egyptians in the form of a plague of hail and fire the bible says there was thunder whenever that came and so if i take the law first mention in its purest form, this thunder, this noise of thunder, I believe is a warning of judgments that will unfold with the breaking of the seven seals, all right? The first seal was broken. The Bible says, behold, there was a white horse. Now let's denote the things that Scripture says concerning uh, this horseman and his rider. Number one, the rider has a bow. That's great. The rider has a bow. Number two, a crown was given to the rider. Number three, the rider went forth conquering and to conquer. And there's just something I wanted to note, and we'll come back to it and tag it later. The rider has a bow, but nothing is spoken about his arrows. It just speaks that the rider was given a bow. Now,
1: there are a lot of different...
0: uh, This is Revelation, all right? still out here in front of us there's a lot of different opinions about what the first first horse may represent two prominent opinions some believe that it represents christ because later in revelation 19 he is seen riding a white horse however others believe that it represents the false christ or the anti-christ now I want to pose that the rider that's coming here in Revelation 6 is different from the Christ that comes in Revelation chapter 19. Excuse me, Jesus Christ. In Revelations 19 verse 11, yes, the one that is faithful and true, the one that is named the word of God comes on a white horse. In Revelations 19, that rider on that white horse in Revelations 19 makes war and judges, So there is an element that he is conquering, all right? Just like the one here in Revelation 6 is going forth, conquering and to conquer. In Revelation 19, the one that is evidently Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse 12 there that on his head were many crowns, all right? In Revelation chapter 6, the one that's riding on a white horse was given a crown. In Revelations 19 and verse number 15, the Bible speaks out of the one who's sitting on this white horse has a sharp sword protruding out of his mouth. And as we've seen the writer in Revelation 6, amen, that's coming out, has a bow in his hand. And so if horses have been associated with might and power and force... What is the might? What is the power? What is the force that is being introduced to us here? Well, I, I, I uh, say this evening that the force or the might or power that's being introduced and some people won't think this is a power or a force that's being introduced to us here with the first rider and the first horse is a power and a force of peace. Everybody say peace. And everybody prophecy of the Bible John Walbridge said the symbolism of a white horse in the first century represented a conquering military leader and whenever we think I think this is the way I think maybe you don't think like this but whenever I think of a military leader that is conquering I think he's conquering by some use of weaponry in order to do that but folks it's not unheard of to conquer with peace you can win some battles by making peace. Mm-hmm. You can conquer by making peace. The writer again in Revelation 6 has a bow, but there's no mention of his arrows. Could this indicate that he's coming in peace or that he's conquering because the Bible says he's going forth conquering, and to conquer and conquering but he just has a bow, nothing's spoken of his arrows. Could it be that he conquers without war, without shedding blood, through the venue of peace? Everyone say peace. A crown, the Bible says. Everybody say, was given. Was given to this rider. In other words, he did not secure it. It was given to him. All right? It was permissively given to him. They say frequently the phrase was given, and you'll see it in the book of Revelation, the phrase was given is used over and over again. It's found, but whenever it's found, it denotes this according to the Greek definition. It denotes the granting of permission to an agent from another, namely God. A crown was given to him from somebody else, namely God, you're saying, whoop, stop, wait a minute, God, tell somebody. You're telling me there's gonna come a rider on a white horse, it's gonna come in a power and a force of peace, and that could be very well emblem of the Antichrist, why in the world would the Lord give him a crown? Because he's all a part of the master plan of the Lord. Amen. He, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. This is all a part of the master plan of the Lord. Amen. And this crown that was given to him was a victor's crown. That's the definition of it. If you look at it in the Greek, it was a victor's crown. Differs greatly from the many crowns that were given to Christ Jesus, or not given to Christ Jesus, but was on the head of Christ Jesus in Revelation 19. Those crowns come from a word diadema, which means a king's crown. Not a victor's crown, but a king's crown. And so we have a horse and we have a rider that may be representing a power and a force of peace, particularly in the last days. A peace, though, that is capable of conquering. A peace that is capable of conquering. And folks, we have studied enough that I hope your light bulbs are already going off because we know a key player for spearheading the time of peace that is supposed to come upon our world and it is, in fact, the Antichrist. He is going to be the key major player during the time of peace upon the world. So light bulbs should be going off whenever we see there's going to be someone coming forth after the rapture of the church, after all this taking taken place, that's going to come forth conquering with peace. Amen. That's very much so directly linked to the Antichrist. Now, I'm I'm going to test you tonight. We're going back to what we've already learned in the book of Daniel. We go back to the book of Daniel, for instance, chapter 11, and the Bible spoke of one of Antiochus Epiphanes, you'll remember, who was a prototype, a prefiguring, if you will, of the Antichrist, and this is what the Bible said concerning him, and in his estate he shall stand up a vile person. This is Antiochus, but it prefigures the Antichrist, to whom they shall not give the hour, the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come how? In peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. The Antichrist will come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Also, speaking of Antiochus. As he's prefiguring the Antichrist that is to come, a double fulfillment that we've spoken of in the past of Daniel chapter number eight are these phrases concerning the Antichrist. Daniel 8 and verse 24, in speaking of him, says, And his power shall be might, but not of his own power. What are you saying there? That parallels with that the crown that he has was one that was given to him. All right? not his own power one that was given to him verse 25 of Daniel 8 the Bible speaks of this Antichrist and by peace he shall destroy many a bow with no arrows yet conquering is everybody understanding the parallelism here for that matter go back with me I know this is bad you're going to have to get out the old podcast I guess rehearse but if you remember, we spoke of of the time of, uh, man, I gotta go. We spoke of the time of, of Daniel's image. Remember the, the, the feet, the toes, part arm, part claim, there's uh, just normal toes of a man which would come to the number 10. I don't know if we have too many around here. It have six on each foot. Alright, 10. But represented 10 kings or 10 kingdoms. Remember? That would be in the time that there would be one that would arise as a uh, as a king over all of them or take control over them. Remember, we spoke about possibilities of the European Union, remember, and the United Nations. Remember, both of them have ten regions under their network. They have ten regions in the world that are set up. They have the world divided in ten regions. The United Nations even call them ten kingdoms, and then there's one that comes during that time frame that will subdue, the Bible says, when we talked about the ten horns, it will subdue three of them. And I'm just talking tonight, if you'll remember, I told you that the European Union even boasts, literally boasts, I think I got it from their website, I have to go back and see, but boast of having delivered half a century of peace. And there's going to be something in place at that time, already developed, The Antichrist is going to rise and going to become the man over all of them. And so here's an entity that's already declared a nation a century of peace. Even the United Nations, if you consider them again. After World War II, there was so much bloodshed. The United Nations was formed for the purpose that we need to settle our disputes some other way besides shedding blood. And so we're going to create the United Nations so that we can settle our disputes peaceably. We can, just go to, we can just go to court and talk about and, and settle this peaceably. And if you'll remember, outside of their building, they have that little sculpture. We talked about this a little bit about, and it says, Let us beat our swords into plowshares, taking the weapons of war and making them plowshares, a peaceable instrument again. That's outside their building. There's going to come somebody. The Antichrist that's going to come over the ten-nation kingdom or ten-region kingdom, he's going to be ruler of it. It's already going to be operating in a peaceable manner. He's going to take it to the next level of peace, all right? Again, thinking with me, this is the first rider, the first seal's being broken. If you'll remember the little horn, again, the Antichrist, the Bible says in Daniel 7 that he would think to change times and laws, and they, that is times and laws, shall be given into his hand, Daniel 7, 25. Again, this sounds like a crown, something that's being given to somebody that they didn't have of their own, but it was given to them. Paralleling with a crown that was given, amen, to the writer in the book of Revelation. Someone say amen. amen. People's gonna accept the Antichrist, the little horn, because he's coming in with peace. And what our world is crying for before he ever arrives is peace we're trying to get it in our governments we're trying to get it in our school systems yeah you know we got the, the the no bullying program i mean i'm serious i know that might seem whatever peculiar but trying to get it in the middle east everybody's crying for peace and so they're going to readily accept this because whenever he comes with this peaceable way he's going to in essence really be conquering the people by the very thing that they want and desire by their own peace he won't seem as no real threat what threat is a person with a bow without any arrows what threat is that and he'll operate from the same basis that the devil's operated for centuries and that's the basis of deception and lies and therein lies the problem with his peaceable nature can you trust it can you trust it amen Because the deception of the rider coming in on the white horse with the bow and no arrows is this. He comes with a force or a presence of peace. But we'll soon find out, as soon as the next rider shows up, that it's a false peace. It only lasts so long. Because whenever you see the next horse comes out that is red, the Bible says the rider will take peace from the earth. The rider will, so that peace is only short-lived. And he comes, the Bible says, the first rider on a white horse, just like, this is interesting, he comes on a white horse, just like Christ will later come in Revelation 19, when this all thing is over, on a white horse. He said, be be aware in that day, because there will be many that say, I am Christ, or there is Christ. Don't listen to it. What's the Antichrist? He's posing to be something that he isn't. He's posing to bring peace when the Prince of Peace really has what the people need. Later, his peace will be temporary. Christ's peace will be eternal. The Antichrist is coming with a false peace. He's a false Christ and a false Prince of Peace. Pastor, how in the world? How, you know, I feel like biblical language. How can these things be? Well, we've had the rapture of the church, right? We believe that. That's what I've taught. The rapture of the church has taken place. 2 Thessalonians 2, and I'm hurrying, folks. I realize my time is short. All of our time is short if we're talking about Revelation. But 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, which means obstruct or hold back or restrain, will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Again, we've looked at this time and time again. The only reason why iniquity doth already work but he's not yet revealed like in verse number eight until the one There's something here that's restraining. There's something here that's obstructing. There's something here that's keeping back. I call it the Spirit of God that's resident within the church. As long as the Spirit of Christ that's resident in the church and the church is here, the wicked one, the Antichrist, is not rearing his head. He cannot do so. But when the rapture takes place and the church is caught away, yeah Peter said upon this rock Jesus said upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail there's no prevailing while the church is around but you take the church out of the picture and prevailing can happen from hell prevailing can happen from the antichrist so none of this has taken place until the church is gone but whenever the church leaves yes it opens the door for the first rider to come in peace that we may notably know as the antichrist someone say amen And it's necessary, it's necessary that he shows up, the Antichrist shows up. I'm going right up here. It's necessary that he shows up at the beginning, right? If we've learned anything, at the beginning of that last week or call it, you can't see that, seven years. Why? What do we know? What do we remember from Revelation 9? The last four verses that we spent three or four weeks on. of of, Of Daniel 9, rather. The Bible says, there's going to come forth one, the prince that shall come. He shall confirm the covenant for one week. And whoever confirms the covenant is the prince that was denoted that shall come. The prince of the people of the Romans from that revived Holy Roman Empire known as the Antichrist he confirms the covenant midweek through it's broken and then we have the second coming of the Lord Antichrist got to show up at the beginning because he shall confirm the covenant amen it's necessary that it happen the prince that shall come will come as prescribed in Daniel 9 he'll confirm the covenant of the land remember the land the boundaries that was given to Abraham that's, that's God's people I know there's other people I know there's Islam there's Muslims and the, the Islam people that are in that. but that's all going to change what's going to come about? some mode of a peace treaty in order to set that land back in there and bring peace to the Middle East peace, 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 peace and the Antichrist is showing up and he's there to confirm it what the scripture says it says this and I'll close with this tonight and be still in 1 Thessalonians 5.3 it says for when they shall say peace, peace, and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. When they say peace and safety, first horse comes, peace, make a covenant. Man, everybody's, this is just exactly what everybody wanted. But not far behind them is a second rider. Not far behind them. It. It's going to take peace from the earth. Where one just brought peace to it, now there's going to come taking peace from the earth and it's going to start getting rocky from there on out it's going to be like travail upon a woman 1 Thessalonians 5 3? How, how does, how does contractions travail I'm not saying, I'm just saying normally I'm not saying all the time usually they start out just a little bit you start timing those contractions where they get closer then you need to get to the hospital as you're at the hospital they even get more intense right? things begin to escalate and become even more intense intensified as labor goes on. Homework, read Matthew 24 and read how Christ spoke to them concerning what shall the signs be. He speaks about things that will take place that will be the beginning of sorrows like the travail of a woman. It starts out easy, but intensifies as it goes on. And you'll notice, if you do just a little bit of homework, you'll notice a parallel between what happens with the seven seals and what jesus said in his olivet discourse would happen in matthew 24 because he begins to speak about there would be false christ he speaks about war he speaks about death he speaks about pestilence he speaks about people dying for his name you know what happens when we get around to the fifth seal martyrs crying out from underneath the altar you start seeing a parallel. You, you see that there's going to become a persecution. If you read it in chapter 24, it goes all the way down till after he said, after the abomination of desolation spoken of in Daniel, he says in Matthew 24, then he starts getting into how the sun it, it, it becomes darkened, the moon, the stars. Toward the end, we see that same thing of the seals. Homework. Read Matthew chapter 24, and we'll get there next week with the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We're going to hit them all, the others, second on, and because I won't have to relay this framework, okay? We'll, we'll get there. I'm confident we can do it. We can do it. Amen. I know this is different. Last week, man, I was almost preaching, but this is just the way Revelation is. There's sometimes you just got to sit a little bit more intently and listen and take it in. And there's other times we'll click our heels, all right? It's just the ebb and the flow of the book of Revelation, all right? Amen and amen. If you'll stand with me. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.